Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. War Eagle, everybody. Welcome in to another episode of our Auburn football podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Davis, joined, as always, by the wonderful Jason Campbell. Now, we are excited to tell you that uh, we're no longer going to refer to this thing as the Auburn Football Podcast. Like, how unoriginal is that? We have decided to start calling this thing Tiger Talk. We we thought that was quite appropriate given the play on Tiger Walk and the fact that all we do is talk all things Auburn Tigers. So, you can now find us if you search Tiger Talk. Jason, let's talk about what the Tigers did this past week, getting back on track, a big win down in Fayetteville, 51-10 to 10 over the Razorbacks. First and foremost, what impressed you the most uh, from the Auburn team that we saw this past week, given the fact that the last time we saw them, it was a less promising result in Florida. How did they bounce back? Where are you, everybody? Yes, Taylor. Um Definitely played an exciting game. They came out with a lot of intensity. The team came out offensively, uh, moving the ball better, getting everyone involved. And defensively, we continued to do the things that we was doing very well, uh, creating turnovers, Marlon Davidson, uh, causing a turnover, and then recovering the fumble. And uh, so guys came out with, their, with the right mindset after a bye week. Talk to me about how difficult that alone is. You know, like you you get your first loss of the season. Obviously, everybody's kind of deflated, right? You had these high hopes of heading into the bye week undefeated. You fall to Florida. Then you have a week to kind of regroup before you go into another SEC matchup. How difficult is that to just kind of overcome that that negative mentality that you might have had after a bye week and come out guns blazing two weeks later? Yeah, I think that's why I said the bye week came in a great time for us because the fact that you come out that, that wounded game in Florida and you're feeling down on yourselves, and but it gives you a whole week to put that sour taste behind you and then also prepare for another team. And then once you go to Arkansas and you get that victory, now you're back on the winning side of things. So you're feeling good, almost like you just you know had had a few barbecue ribs at a cookout and you know they <laughs> get you a little mac and cheese and a little chocolate cake at the end. Uh, <laughs> oh. You know, right now we're feeling good. I can tell by the guys' confidence when I read all their comments and everything leading up to this LSU game. So I'm excited um, that for this game because I think it comes at the right time for us when we have a lot of guys back. Even though we missed Booby, we found yeah. out that we can run the ball very successful with a, with, with a lot of guys that we didn't know much about. Now, you know those D linemen are certainly hitting up those ribs and mac and cheese and that chocolate cake. Uh, those guys really, of course, they they have impressed every single week, and Arkansas was no exception. What stood out to me was the fast start. I mean, obviously, that's something that Gus Malzahn and an Auburn team prides themselves on is, is starting fast and continuing. Really, that speed does not let up in an Auburn game. But the first five Arkansas possessions – three three and outs, a stripped fumble, and an interception. I mean, you want to set the tone early, that's pretty much the ideal way to do it. How impressive was the performance of this defense to to really, not only did they take the team out of it fairly early, they took the crowd out of it too. 
Exactly. That's what a coach talked about. That's what we wanted in the Florida game. You know, and everyone, when you always talk about opponents, uh, stadium, you want to go in there and take the crowd out. And that's exactly how you do it. The difference in this game is we still got turnovers like we did in the Arkansas game, the same way we did in the Florida game, but we capitalized with touchdowns. And when you can capitalize with touchdowns, it, it makes the whole game different because now the other team feel like, man, we're already out of the game because we're down 14 to zero instead of being down two field goals where it sits and you feel like, okay, we're still in the game even after two terrible mistakes. And so it doesn't cost you as much when you, when the other team is kicking the field goal for actually it's a win for their defense when that happens. So, you know, our defense is playing outstanding. And like I said, they're just now really hitting on all their cylinders. And uh, mm. I like our matchup against uh, LSU this week because of our defense, um, the nasty, their intensity, the way these guys run to the ball now, the way they're getting their hands on balls and everything. And you can tell there's a big brotherhood going on with that side of the ball. That's, that's like unbreakable. And I think, I think a lot of it has to do with the senior leadership of Derrick Brown and Marlon Davidson. So I'm excited. I'm excited. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't absolutely terrified, <laughs> but uh, excited nonetheless. We're going to break that matchup down more in a second. Uh, I want to ask you, just from a player's perspective, if you go into a game like the Arkansas game, Arkansas – not having a great season. Honestly, like it, it, it was kind of expected, right? That Auburn was right. going to have their way with them pretty easily. And so the outcome was what everyone expected. A, a very convincing win, but against a team that that isn't doing a whole lot. So as much momentum as can be built off a win like that, you know, do you feel like it was a fair test heading into LSU or, or was it more just a, a morale victory? Well, I say this, Taylor. I say I'd rather play a team like Arkansas than to play Florida and then LSU back-to-back weeks. Sure. And the reason I say that is because you can get yourself beat up to a point that guys guys come back that next week and you're like, man, what's going on? My body's not feeling right and I got another tough game to get up for. And, you know, you play against guys like Florida, LSU, Alabama, Georgia. It's a physical ball game. And not to say that Arkansas is not a physical team. They're just not there yet. They're not the Arkansas right. that they were in the early 2000s or the late 1990s. You know, they're just – they're still rebuilding. And I think for us to play a game like that, it builds our confidence and our momentum to head into into the game that we're heading into this weekend. And when you're playing in a game like this, I'd be disappointed if the game was close. Because when sure. you know if you're the team that you say you are, the team that you want to be, you're supposed to go out there and beat a team like Arkansas the way that we did. Now, if we went out there and we let them hang around and end up getting into the fourth quarter and it's a seven-point game or ten-point game, then I'd be concerned. But I'm not concerned because now I see we did what we're supposed to do and that the guy's mindset is in the right place and that Coach Malzahn and the coaching staff did a great job of preparing these guys and to not have a letdown and not be caught looking ahead, but preparing themselves to take it one week at a time. That's a really great point. I feel like some some games and some years in the past, that's kind of been a, a point of frustration for Auburn fans have, have been almost a lack of aggression in play calling and continuing to go for it once you have a lead. It almost seemed like Gus Malzahn would pull back a little bit when he got a lead. Maybe it was, you know, fear of something going wrong or fear of someone getting hurt. But if you have the personnel, especially given the fact that we have another quarterback waiting in the wings like Joey Gatewood and a crew of running backs waiting to get some touches, 
go full throttle. I mean, like continue to get, try and get into the end zone and make that score a more convincing victory. I think that that speaks volumes, especially for the playoff committee when they start analyzing teams that do have, you know, one loss and you start looking into the little details. You, you look at how convincing wins were. If you beat a team like Arkansas, but only by 10 points, maybe that's not as convincing. So I, I, I really like that approach to matchups like this, to continue to play four full quarters, try out that playbook, try out some personnel that have the talent, but are just waiting for their opportunity. Exactly. That's what we talked about uh, last week is there's guys on the sideline that we know nothing about that can play. And they signed Mm -hmm. a D1 scholarship and they're on the sideline because they was a good athlete in high school. And so you come to these universities in the SEC, you had to be a special player in high school to sign that scholarship. So there's guys that showed up Saturday that we haven't seen pretty much all season. You know, Harry Jordan has a few catches, I mean, a few carries and everything. And then you saw DJ Williams contributing to the running game. And of course, Cam had the long run of uh, 50 plus yards. So there's guys now where their antennas up because they're more hungry because they know the opportunities are there. Right. And like I always tell anyone, you're only as good as your opportunity. You know, if you can stand on the sideline and you're not getting the opportunity to play, then you know, it's not much that can be said, but once your opportunity is given to you and what you do with it, it's going to determine how, how much more playing time you get for the rest of the season and then for the rest of the head into next year. Cause like I tell everyone, your scholarship is not guaranteed every year. You're on a year to year basis. Everyone think because you signed a scholarship to go to college that, Oh, my college, my scholarship gets automatically renewed the next year. No, that's not true. You get your scholarship. You have to resign that scholarship every year at the beginning yeah. of the, of the year. And so you're earning it every year. And coach Tuberville used to always tell us guys, I need four scholarships. I used to be like, why does he keep saying that? He's like, I need four <laughs> scholarships because what he was doing. So what he was doing is he was trying to give walk-ons an opportunity to earn a scholarship. If there was a guy that he had signed and he kind of like relaxed and he really wasn't giving the effort to want to be there. So he would make a he would give a walk-on an equal opportunity to earn that scholarship. And he would actually take that scholarship and give it to the walk-on. So, yeah, so he was very uh, enthused about that. So, you know, that's why I tell guys like, man, you're renting those uniforms and those jerseys and those seats for four years. I was like, make the best of your opportunity and do what you can do with that opportunity so you can be remembered one day. And the next person that steps in that seat can remember what you did before them. I was like, you just keep Mm -hmm. passing the baton down and down. Well, guys that are certainly getting the opportunity to showcase their abilities are the running backs. Obviously, without Booby Whitlow, Gus Malzahn said it's going to be running back by committee. If you saw, they showed a clip of the depth chart during the broadcast this past week. Normally, you know, you've got your one and your two. And, you know, if you've got a guy that you're unsure if he should be the two spot, he's sitting at three, you can put or so-and-so. We see that a good bit. Gus Malzahn had five running backs listed on his depth chart, and they all said or. So from the jump, he suspected he was going to get these guys a lot of touches. And honestly, that's kind of what we said last week was going to be required because a guy like Booby Whitlow has – you know, the size, the toughness to run between the tackles, the shiftiness to beat you in space. And the rest of the running backs are still trying to develop all of those characteristics. So seeing Sean Shivers, Cam Martin, DJ, all of those guys utilizing their abilities, and then the next guy comes in to balance it out, I think is going to be effective. Could that create some confusion? Potentially, you can speak on that, you know, from a 
from a quarterback standpoint as far as the differences in the backfield. But I think it's it's a good opportunity, especially with us being without Booby for the next couple of weeks, to see these guys continue to be comfortable out there. Yes, you're exactly right, Taylor. It does somewhat create like different things for the defense to have to look at when they're watching film because each guy is different. You know, Shivers is a short, mm-hmm. quick guy, so you really can't see him behind the offensive line. And then you look at Cam. Cam not as quick as Shivers, but he's still a, a passing threat for us, not just as a running as a runner, but as a as a receiver. And you know, now that Joiner's in the midst, okay, they probably say is he's a short yardage guy, is he's a first down type of guy. So they're still trying to figure out these guys, especially like DJ Williams, you know, who has a a frame of like a, a stout running back, you know, and this guy's still young and he's still, you know, just not coming of coming of age. So there's opportunities for us to utilize different guys. And when you're a defensive guy, one thing they used to always say when we was in the locker room or we was in team meeting rooms is everyone has a scouting report and there's a book on each player. So yes, they're studying different guys, but I think because we have so many guys on our offense that are runners by committee, I think for defenses, what they're doing now is, based off my experience in college and the pros, is they won't worry so much about who's the runner. They'll worry so much about the scheme. So they'll be trying to mm-hmm. say, okay, what are things that we do more in first downs, second downs, and third downs? And they'll be trying to plug gaps, you know, what gaps they want to, you know, they want to cover. And how do they want their running backs to, I mean, they want the linebackers to spill and where do they want the safety to come down in the box to, to force the run back inside. So since we are that way, I think they're going to try to face us and force us to like into situations where, okay, guys, no matter who's the running back, we're going to treat this as the same each and every time that they give us this certain sure. formation. And that's how, that's how things was, has done in the past. And I expect the LSU to probably do the same. And, uh, but the thing that we have going for us though, we have a Swartz on our team and I was so excited to see him mm-hmm. back involved in the offense. And then we do have a guy like Seth Williams that I don't want to put a DB one-on-one against him cause he can go up and catch most of those balls. So we have guys that can force people to take the safeties out of the box, which create our running game to be the best running game it is in the SEC right now. Yeah, I want to talk about both of those guys, actually. Let's start with Anthony Schwartz. Coming off the Florida game, that was really a point of contention. That was something that everyone kind of said, hey, why is this guy not getting involved more? And Gus Malzahn said, that's on me. He has to get more touches. I have to utilize him more for this offense to be as successful as it could be. And that effort was showcased very early. He got the first two touches in the game against Arkansas. This is a guy that his speed is known not just in the conference. His speed is known in the country. This is a guy that can beat you no matter what with the ball in his hands. I want to ask you, though, where do you think he is most beneficial for this team? He's kind of a guy that we can utilize in several places, whether it's the backfield or put him out in slot. Where do you think, especially against an LSU defense, where could he do the most damage? I think against LSU, I think you have to put Swartz in the slot. And the reason I say that, their outside corners are really good. Uh, they do a good job of defending the deep ball. But where they've been hurt at has been screen game, has been the intermediate passing game, and, like, the slots over the middle. So I feel like mm-hmm. with Swartz, with Swartz's ability and his speed, we can utilize him uh, in our passing game more. And everything doesn't have to be down the field for this guy. You know, we can hit this guy on some slants. We can hit him on some short digs. We can hit him on a short screen and because uh, he has the ability to get the run after the catch and go the distance. So I expect him to be utilized a lot more this week as a, as he was last week. But it doesn't always have to be, I got to put him outside and run him on a go route. 
Yes, sometimes right. that helps because you take a corner and a safety out of there, and we may still do that just to create other opportunities for for other guys. But at the same time, I see him more in the slot this week based off the ability of what LSU can do defensively on their back end with their corners. And I like to get him matched up with safeties and linebackers as best as I can. Well, hey, if there were ever a game that this offense needed to be multidimensional, it's going to be this one with LSU. Definitely a tough test, but Schwartz could be a guy to really get some production early. Um, Another guy that you mentioned, Seth Williams. I love this kid. This is somebody, I, I said this past week when I was watching the game, he reminds me of a more consistent Sammy Coates. And I don't say that as an insult. Sammy's my guy. I, I love Sammy, but... Sammy was sometimes a guy that the the catches that you thought, oh, he's got this one, would end up being drops. And the crazy <laughs> right. extended mid-air catches he would come down with. And it as much as those big plays gave you momentum, it also was a bit of a scare that you didn't know, like, oh, Sammy's just like your comfort zone. You know what I mean? Like your security blanket. Right. I feel like Seth Williams is becoming that for Bo Nix, that guy that – he knows he's coming down with it. They have built that chemistry. Bo can kind of have a little bit of comfort in knowing that, hey, this guy knows me. He knows my ticks. He knows how I play. And he's going to make me look good even if I don't execute necessarily perfectly. Uh, give me the perspective from a quarterback, especially a young one like Bo Nix, what that means to him to have a guy like Seth Williams out there that you you know you've built that rapport with and, and it's going to show up on game day. Right. Everyone has something that they call their comfort zone, you know, whether it's at home or whether it's going to the beach or whether it's going up north, (laughs) you know, going skiing or going golfing. Everyone has their comfort zone. (laughs) And when you look at a guy like Seth Williams and and Bo, I can see those two guys saying, hey, man, let's go to the lake and go fishing together. Totally. And and the reason I say that is because he – it's not like Seth has a whole bunch of catches some some games, but you look up, he got like four receptions for almost a hundred yards. You're like, yeah, wow, you know. But most of it is he's getting these one on one matchups, and then Bo is not afraid to throw him up the ball, and because he feels like no matter who he who's he's going against, he can out jump anyone and go up and get the ball. Right. And Seth has made some really good catches, and like you said, he extends. He's a long guy. And when you're alone like that, it's easy for it's easy for a quarterback to see you. So it doesn't matter if it's over the middle of the field or it's down the field. Like you pop into the quarterback's vision a lot quicker than just say like a Hastings. You know, a guy that kind of got to work a little bit more to get into the view of the quarterback's eyes. But but those big guys like Seth, they're just they're hard to come by, and mm-hmm. and especially when they're strong and as strong as he is. So you know. To me, that, that's the same way. You know, I feel comfortable throwing the ball to Courtney Taylor and Roma should do and open my new admits. All those guys were six three and above. And right. you know, Jared McIntyre was shorter, but I always knew he was my slot guy that can get open over the middle, get open on drag routes and everything. So when you think about the offense that we have, it's a great combination to have Seth as big as he is, and then to have Swartz, you know, and Hastings on the inside, and then Stove, and then you also got Canelo on one, on the other side. That's another big, tall guy. So, you know, it's guys to limit what these guys can continue to do for this season. But yeah, Seth is like the the comfort zone for both. 
I I think Sal Canella needs to produce more uh, with size like that. And given his track record of some of the big plays, the big touchdown moments that he had, I mean, obviously the one that stands out to me was the big one against Washington in the season opener last year. Mm -hmm. The fact that he's kind of a name that we don't hear that often is a little disappointing. I don't know if it's game plan or if it's, you know, him, I'm not entirely sure. I, I, when you see him on the field, though, he looks like he would be a weapon that we would utilize it. And he kind of he kind of goes under the radar a little bit. Yes, he does. He's a guy that I feel like we can produce more with, you know, because he has mm-hmm. a proto style body. You know, he's a big kid. He's tall. He's long. He's, he has range and uh, he can really help us honestly, like create more opportunities for a guy like Swartz because then you can't double those guys. And uh, right. as we continue to go against tougher defenses, you know, like LSU and then Bama and Georgia down the road, we're going to need Sam Canella to come through for us on on more than just one occasion. You know, he has a big catch here, a big catch there, but we're going to need him to come up with two, three catches a game that makes a difference in the game. You know, not just totally. the first time catch, but difference-making plays. And that's what we're missing outside of Seth and and, and everything is who's going to be the next difference-maker on the outside to make those catches that's not just your ordinary catch that, you know, people expect you to make the catch, like a, a hitch or a slant. Like, who can go up in traffic and come down with the ball other than just Seth? And I think Sam Cannell is that guy. He has the size. And I don't know if it's a confidence thing or if it's just a lack of opportunities thing, but for some way, somehow, he has got to come more involved in, uh, as we move down the season. Absolutely. That's kind of something that the Auburn offense, you don't really hear about threats on the perimeter. You know what I mean? Like you you talk about the, the defense, you talk about the backfield, you talk about Seth Williams, but as far as the speed and the size and the threats on the perimeter, that's been kind of, kind of limited. So I feel like that's something that Sal Canella should really uh, step into and, and evolve. He's had those big moment plays, like I said, that should breed that confidence. And and he's got the size that a guy like Bo Nix should, should like to have as a deep threat. So we'll see. I Also, quiet game for Will Hastings. Uh, that was kind of surprising to me that with him – and Eli Stove coming back this year, obviously there were a lot of expectations for what that deep passing game could be. But how much of that is not so much the the targets, but the productivity and the confidence of Bo Nix? Uh, I think a lot of it, uh, Taylor, is probably more so what is Bo more comfortable with? And also sure. our, run, our run game take up so much variety of our offense. And it's hard when you like the number one offense in rushing, you know, in the SEC. And you also look at like, okay, receivers want to be like, okay, I want to be the number one passing offense. But, you know, <laughs> it's, it's almost impossible to have both the number one rushing attack and the number one passing attack. But there is a balance. But at the same time, though, because we rushed the ball so well against Arkansas, it limited and we got ahead of them so quickly. And But they did have a couple of moments right there where they really played us tough in the second quarter. And we came mm-hmm. out in the third quarter stronger, and uh, which which was good to see. But at the same time, there's only one football. And like I told the kids last week at the high school that I coach at, you know, the kid was upset because he didn't get any touchdowns the week before. I said, son, we won the game. I said, <laughs> don't worry so much about that you didn't get a touchdown. I said, this may not be your week. I said, but next week could be your week. I said, what right. we did this week could open up things for you. And that's exactly what happened. He had three touchdowns this past Friday. 
Oh. And he was like, hey, coach, I remember what you said. I mean, I'm not saying anything else for the rest of the season. I'm just hard. <laughs> so, Lesson learned. Yeah, so so I think in this situation, yes, there are going to be some games where this may be the game. And this may be the game where Eli Stove and Hastings have their game because um, our outside, I think, going to be more of a challenge with their corners. And this may be mm-hmm. their opportunity that, you know, this is the week that, that they, they, they take off. Because every week is a different week. And a lot of it is based, based on defenses. Like, there are certain teams we used to play against. I'd be like, man, we're going to beat the team by 40. And then, and you know, like, you're not going to have big passing numbers because we're probably going to be up by 30 at halftime. And mm-hmm. uh, But you just knew that going in. Uh, but at the same time, you never know which week is your week. So those two guys need to continue to stay prepared, continue to stay upbeat, because we already know Hastings has had big games against some of our biggest rivals you know, over the years, you know, he's had opportunity to play, but cause I think he went unnoticed. Yeah. That can actually end up being a benefit. The guys that maybe, like I said, have flown under the radar and then rise to the occasion at the perfect moment. So uh, I'm hoping that's what happens in Baton Rouge. I do want to uh, go back to Bo Nix for just one second. He did have a turnover in the Arkansas game. Gus Malzahn lit into him on the sideline. Just that ball <laughs> security is going to be huge in in a place like Baton Rouge. You at, LSU will capitalize on it. There's no doubt about it. Arkansas even capitalized on it. How important is it for him to focus in on that ball security? But it's got to be a balance, right, for a quarterback to to be focused so much on that ball security but not play scared. Correct. You're exactly right, Taylor. We've seen Coach Malzahn go from Paul Paul mentality to, like, okay, I'm your dad mentality. And the reason I say that, you know, your grandparents, they kind of, like, butter you, butter the grandkids up. You're like, well, yeah, y'all didn't do that to me. But then, you know, <laughs> but then, you know, like when you're the real parent, like you light up into your kids. So now I feel like Gus is taking that approach to bowl. Like, okay, you've been with us enough this season. Now I'm preparing you for the big games. I'm not just preparing you to beat the mediocre teams that we can just beat. You know, I'm preparing you to to go to LSU because this can cost us in a, in a game against a magnitude of, of an LSU type football team because every possession counts. Every opportunity counts. You know, you're talking about probably the number one defense going against the number one offense, which is a matchup that everyone in the country is going to be tuned into because LSU mm-hmm. has not seen a defense like like we got. And we have not seen an offense the way the LSU offense is, is, is being run right now. So there's going to be some interesting things going on in this game, and there's going to be matchups all over the field. There's going to be chess and checkers and – you know, who can who can create more opportunity, who can create these certain matchups. And Bo's going to be a big part of that, understanding like, okay, Gus and him being on the same page, like, okay, on this play, we're trying to attack this certain area. And this is, we got to hit it. So the thing is, when he says that, he's not saying, oh, I'm putting pressure on you to make sure you hit this completion. He's just saying like, there's opportunities in games like this that you may get one shot at it because they mm-hmm. haven't seen it before. And because they haven't seen it before, we got to hit it. And uh, so he's getting on to him because he needs him to come into that level uh, playing in big games like this. It's going to come down on how well Bo's able to handle the atmosphere, how well Bo's able to keep us in, in I, I would say, in manageable third downs. You don't want to get caught sure. in long third downs in games like this. And and Gus is being hard on him because it is a lot that comes on a quarterback's shoulders. And at the same time, he's trying to help him 
to mature a little bit more and understand it. And it's okay for him to make those mistakes in the Arkansas game. I'd rather for him to make it in that game than make it in this game. You know? <laughs> totally. So, <laughs> right. So let him go ahead and and have that experience, learn from it, and and move forward. Because you only learn from the mistakes that you make. Like, I feel like you never make a mistake. You never learn anything. That was definitely a, a point of focus in the Florida loss was Bo Nix looked like a true freshman and the environment got to him and the noise got to him and yada, yada, yada. So obviously that becomes a talking point for this week too. Um, Give me a little personal insight. What is it like to play in Death Valley? Oh man, it's like one of the best college experiences. Um, You know, if you're a player or a fan and you want to see a game, even though we start at 3.30, it'd be night by the time it's done. If you want to get Mm -hmm. like a, on the road atmosphere where people it's a hundred percent against you <laughs> go to LSU. It is super loud, but it is fun. Like it gets energetic and uh, it sends goosebumps through your skin. And it gets you rather ready to play. And that's what they feed off of. So more importantly yeah. for us than any other week of the season, this is important for us to get out to a fast start because once they crowd get in, it's almost like their players get injected with some type of magic potion where they just also start playing out of their minds. Well, so what will be some some key points of emphasis for Bo Nix heading into this? Do do the coaches need to emphasize the intensity of the environment or do they downplay it? No, I think him playing in the Florida game has prepared him. Florida's a real hard atmosphere as well. And I think uh, that was a top 10 matchup. So this is his second top 10, uh, basically, matchup of this season within our conference. And so I think that, that pre-experience has already helped him in a way. And I think for the, for Auburn, I, I think you don't put so much on Bo's shoulders this week. I think you lean mm-hmm. heavy on the run game and you lean heavy on your defense. And then you put him in situations where our third downs are manageable, where he can either keep the ball on runs or he can hit those passes uh, where it's like one or two progression type reads and keep the ball moving. The whole thing, I think, for us going into this week, when you're going against a high-powered offense that, uh, you know, with Coach Joe Brady, they brought on staff now – helping them with their offense. When you're playing against a high-powered offense like this, the best way to, to, to keep them limited is to keep the ball. And how you keep the ball, you run the ball successfully and you keep the ball in third downs. You're in manageable third downs where you can either run the ball and uh, and get Bo outside. And like I said, keep them on the sidelines. Because right now their offense is hitting on a lot of cylinders. And I watched them last yeah. week against Mississippi State. And I'm just like, okay, what do you do to, to neutralize? And I remember when the pros, you try to play against Peyton Manning or Tom Brady, it was a real run-heavy day. And it was a mm-hmm. whole bunch of ball-keep type mentality. And But I know the thing that the thing that strikes me, though, Taylor, that makes it hard is we're an offense that doesn't huddle. <laughs> so yeah. I'm just like, okay, we don't huddle. We're a quick-paced offense. So – I'm like, do you change that this week? Do you say, okay, we're gonna go, we're not gonna huddle, but we're gonna go a little bit slower pace, you know, just to make sure our defense get a rest and just to make sure we're running that clock a little bit and keeping right. their offense on the sideline. That's an interesting point. Uh, you gotta assume that's something that Gus does not want to do, given his love for the tempo offense. But in this situation, it, it could be the very thing that hurts you. Right. And that's the thing, because you don't want to jump down 14 to zero, 10 to zero, because we're trying to go so fast. But then our defense right. is on the field and they're quick hitting us with something, you know, and then you look up, you're like, oh, man, what happened? We're getting penalties because of the noise situation. And that's the other reason I think you were a run heavy team this week. Like Auburn is built for this game because we're the number one rushing offense in the SEC. And mm-hmm. 
you're built to go in stadiums like this because that's how you get your offensive line involved in the game. When you, when it's a situation where guys can't really hear you and everything is pretty much a silent count, our offensive line can still get off the ball in the run game because sure. it's not a whole bunch of checking that's going on. You know, you may go away from safety here and there. You may go away from, you know, overload side or something, but, you know, that's pretty much easy. You can just hand signal that with your hands and they, they can just look back and see what it is. And then most of the time they're not even listening for a count. They just watching the ball. So as a receiver, it's very important for them not to get caught, you know, just mesmerized and trying to hear anything or you're not going to hear anything. So they have to keep their eyes locked in on looking at the ball and making sure they're not moving until, until the ball is snapped and then get into your route. But, you know, it's an atmosphere that, you're not afraid of it not, by no means. Like mm-hmm. you get chills. Like you literally get chills and you ready to play. Like you want to go out there and play. But like I said, the reason Auburn has not won there in 20 years is Coach Tuberville smoked cigars back in 1999. <laughs> 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 and I told him, but uh, but you know, now the reason we have not won there is because we have not gotten up on them and been able to yeah. sustain the lead. We've always gotten ourselves into a hole which makes it extremely hard to come back there it really is I was there in 2013 when it was rainy and ugly and uh we we tried in that second half we we closed the gap and we're really making a run and unfortunately just couldn't couldn't get the W we I mean obviously that 2013 season still ended up very successful even with that loss but you know this Auburn team already having a loss this game seems more crucial probably than it would have uh, even before. But this LSU team deserves so much credit. Obviously, a lot of people have been talking about disagreeing with the way the rankings have been and all of that. I think this LSU team is something very special. I think Joe Burrow is something very special. Joe Burrow is a quarterback unlike ones that we've seen in the SEC in a very long time. This LSU team has become very pass heavy. Uh, They are first in the conference for total yards with 3,779 and first in passing yards with 2,700. And with a quarterback like Joe Burrow and the way he's producing right now, our defense is going to have their hands absolutely full. So when you look at this matchup, obviously Auburn feels very comfortable with this defensive line. We've got arguably the best line in the country. So feeling solid there, your eye goes to the secondary. What these guys are going to have to be looking out for with a pass offense led by Joe Burrow is different than what they've seen up until this point of the season. Even though, you know, Oregon and and Florida did showcase a lot more passing, this LSU offense is going to be something different. How does our defense, specifically the secondary, prepare for a guy like Joe Burrow and the weapons that he has out on the perimeter? And how do they capitalize uh, on on an offense that really isn't making many mistakes? Yeah, I think the theme for us this week is we got to win our one-on-one matchups up front, which we've been doing all year uh, from a defensive front, which which limits his time to have to go through the, through all his progressions. Like he has a talented group of receivers, but what our DBs have to do in this game is not get caught looking in the backfield. Yes, they do have a good run game, but everybody in this game just got to play your keys. You know, it's up for the linebackers and the defensive front to stop the run game. And those secondary, your job is keep your eyes on the man that's in front of you. You know, don't get caught looking in the backfield at play action and, you know, have a guy running behind you or running over you. And the other thing is respond when there's a big play. Because guess what? There's going to be big plays in this game. 
But mm-hmm. when there's a big play, don't don't worry about that. Have short term memory and get on to the next play and just uh and prepare yourself to stop the next one because you know, you're going to get a high powered offense like this. There's something they got to bend a little bit, but just don't break. And mm. uh, and for us, I feel like our defense is, you know, our defense is so talented that we do an outstanding job of defending deep balls and do an outstanding job of defending uh, defending the, the run really well. And everyone forget LSU do have a good run game as well. But I think our front seven can stop the run game without having to put another man in the box because they do right. throw the ball so well. And and the other part of that is I don't think we blitz as much um, this game uh, just because of that, because you don't want to get hit with a, a quick slant, you know, out the gate uh, just because you want to kind of limit them, make them go the distance, make everything that they have to do in this game, make them have to earn it. You know, don't give them any freebies. And um, and for us, it's the same thing in our defense as his LSU defense, which is weird. Both of us kind of struggle with the intermediate passing game over the middle. And yeah. uh, so in this game, uh, something's going to have to give whoever has the best um, the best um, offense approach towards the middle of the field, attacking the middle of the field and uh, and getting the ball in these guys' hands and letting them run out the catch. It's going to be the team that, that kind of wins this game. But like I said, we're a bend a little bit, but won't break this week. I, I think our guys are up for it. I've been reading their reports, and they're not taking too highly well that them being underdogs of – you know, started off at 12 and a half points. Now it's down to 10 and a half points. And, mm-hmm. you know, you know, so that's another thing. It becomes a mind game when you start playing with kids. Now you're just amping them up. So I'll, I've been reading the reports. And I've been kind of excited with some of the things that's been coming out of Auburn this week. One thing that has stood out to me, though, looking at some of these stats, this Auburn defense obviously is, you know, in the top three in majority of statistics. Except interceptions, we are 13th out of 14 in the conference (laughs) for interceptions. We only have three on the season. Heading into the Arkansas game, we only had one. I feel like that could be something that makes a huge impact this week, especially against a guy like Joe Burrow who likes to pass it as much as he does. If we can get some more interceptions and bump up in that realm, I think it completely swings the momentum back our way, especially for Bo Nix, who is maybe looked at in this quarterback matchup as the lesser of the two. If your defense comes up with interceptions like that and gets you the ball back, I I think that breeds some confidence. How could they potentially – make that happen this week well i think a lot of that uh taylor comes off of if our defense can force him to to get rid of the ball before he wants to and to make some errant passes i think it'll give those guys the opportunity to to get some interceptions on the back end and a lot of it is sometimes you know we don't blitz a lot which was it's good because we feel like we can win with our front seven up front and then our back end you know guys just like i said just don't break but when you look at Jeremiah Denson and you look at Javaris Davis and uh, and these guys on the on the back end, you know, with Smoke Monday and and everything, I think these guys want to be ball hogs. They want to be ball hungry. I think they're just so intentionally thinking like, okay, if he throws this ball and if I miss it and I take the gamble, who's behind me to stop to stop him from scoring a touchdown? So it's almost like, right, you know, we're we're not trying to like be that nasty in the point of I'm just going to take a gamble here and go for it. And, but which we can in a game like this, we may have to, because sure. I, inter- I haven't seen a game yet where Joe Barrow has been like behind, uh, 
behind the ball where he got to come back and win the game. The Florida game mm-hmm. is about the closest as I've seen, but they were still in the lead in most of that game. But I have right. not seen a game where he's had to fight from behind to win the game against a tough defense that's just not going to give you anything. Even when he played against Florida defense, Florida was about their two best rushers on defense, pass rushers. Yeah. So he still didn't face a dynamic with somebody in his face. How you disrupt the quarterback like all right, Bo, Joe Barrow is you got to get him off his spot. He's not a huge runner. He is athletic enough to beat you with his legs and the, if you go two-man, but he's not a huge runner. He relies more on his run. I mean, more of his arm and more of his IQ as far as like reading defense. So if we can just get guys in his face and disrupt his spot of where he likes to be at within the pocket, then we get a chance to see some of the errant throws or some of the errant passes where he may take chances because he may feel pressure and be like, man, I got to get us. I'm not used to being behind. I got to get us, get us going. So I'm going to take a little bit more of a chance and then we can get our hands on those balls, which can flip the game. Right. You're absolutely right. It's the difference. The same thing we saw Bo Nix versus Mississippi State and Bo Nix versus Florida. I mean, how you play when your back's against the wall and, and the cards are starting to stack against you and, and there's a defense in your face that's playing with intensity, uh, it, it could be a different LSU team. Certainly for both of these teams, Auburn and LSU, it will be the toughest test so far this season. I think so, anyway. I know the Oregon game was was tough to start the season and at a neutral site, but there's something about this LSU-Auburn rivalry. I, I mean, obviously, we have the Iron Bowl. I get it. Everyone back down. But LSU and Auburn, there's history there, man. There is, there is heat and energy behind this matchup. It has implications every single year, even with, you know, Alabama being the mecca that it has been the LSU-Auburn game has always had an impact on the rest of the season. So the players know that. The fan base knows that. I think it's going to be such a good matchup. Honestly, I'm pretty happy it's at 3.30 because (laughs) (laughs) night games in Death Valley, although it will be night by the end of it, it gives us the opportunity to kind of get settled in, hopefully start quick, Bo to kind of get settled and uh, and play the Auburn game that we saw this past week in Arkansas because I really think this team has the ability to win this game. I really do. Yes, I like that you said it's a 3.30 game. I, th- I thought about it because we don't give them an opportunity to get riled up. And I mean, their fan base right. you know, before, before a night game. But this game has always been like one of the games you put an asterisk by when you circle the mm-hmm. season because we've had the, the arena catching on fire in Auburn back in the 90s when the Auburn LSU was playing. We've had yeah. the earthquake game down in LSU in the 90s. Well, I mean, back in the day. We've also had the 2004 game, which the Hurricane Ivan week, where we didn't even have an opportunity to practice that week yeah. outside, and we ended up playing that game, and it came all the way down to, to the end. So we've had some matchups within and down in LSU back in, the, like you said, 2000. Two years ago, we was up 20-something 20 20, 20 points, and they came back and beat us. So it's been yeah. an ironic type of uh, type of rivalry game, and this game always has a big, big, huge implications on the SEC West. And the good thing for us is LSU plays Alabama next week. So if we can go down there and find a way to get this game and catch them maybe looking ahead in some way, which I hugely doubt it, but if they yeah. are and we win this game, they have to go to Alabama, I believe, next week. And if they mm-hmm. go there and they drop one, now Auburn is in a huge benefit in the SEC West because now we get Alabama and Georgia at our place with only one loss on our schedule. 
So this game right. had huge implications. And uh, and I know that we know it. And I know the coaching staff knows it. And uh, we don't have to say anything about it because they know exactly <laughs> they know exactly what's at stake. If anyone listening to this is not, you know, watching the clock, waiting for Saturday, you, you don't have a pulse, man, because I am so fired up for this one. Our destiny is is in our hands right now. I, I know at some points of the season you start looking at other results from games and what other teams are doing, and, and that has an implication. Where we're sitting right now, we are holding the steering wheel. We are in the driver's seat, and where we're headed is up to us, and that's a really good position to be in instead of trying to claw back from behind, which is interesting to say because after the Florida loss, it kind of felt like, oh, well, there it goes. <laughs> Ever since the college football playoff uh, has begun, it, it it kind of affected how you take a loss during the season because you then start to feel, oh, well, you know, the, the playoff is, is out of the question. At this point, it's not. I mean, especially considering Georgia fell to South Carolina. And like we've said a million times, there's so much season left where things can happen. I think that LSU-Alabama matchup is going to be interesting. I will not be surprised if LSU comes away with the win. So there's still so much that can transpire. But where Auburn is sitting right now, heading into Baton Rouge, it is completely in our hands what happens from here on out. Exactly. This is a exciting week. Uh, I'm just thinking about it right now. Like, you know, Georgia and Florida still have to play each other. So mm-hmm. if Georgia finds a way to beat Florida, that puts bigger implications on the game. When they have to come here, we find a way to beat LSU. Now you're talking about college game day being on campus and that being another top 10 matchup with huge implications and uh, and everything. So with an opportunity to maybe see Florida again in the SEC championship game. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I'm just like just speaking all the opportunities that are out there that kind of make you get yeah. chills to your body because you you think about like, man, just two weeks ago, we thought it may be done. To now looking right. at like, we go to LSU and win this game, everything changes. And everything right. is in our backyard. And we know how it happened, how things happen when people have to come to us in November to have to win a game in our backyard, in our stadium, with our fan base that gets all riled up for big games. And Auburn is one of the hardest places to win at if you come to our stadium as an opponent and the games are on the line. So I'm excited. I I hope these guys are pumped. I hope they're ready to go down here and play. You know, we're all behind them. We're all rooting for them. And I just see um, this is an opportunity. We get this game, everything changes. So uh, this could be a big, huge week for us. Man, college football, this this is what it's all about. This point of the season, everything matters so much. And it dang sure matters a lot in the SEC. Definitely a lot to look forward to. Auburn fans, if you're heading down to Baton Rouge, make it feel like a home environment as much as you can. Yell and and get excited and and be behind these guys because they're going to need it. But we will certainly break down all of the action next week following hopefully the big Auburn win. I'm just foreshadowing here, people. I'm (laughs) foreshadowing. Uh, We will break down all of the action that comes out of Baton Rouge this weekend. So be sure and tune in to us again next week here on Tiger Talk. Be sure and subscribe. Leave us a review. Tell us War Eagle. We love to hear that. Uh, Jason and I love breaking all of this down for you. So for all of us here at Tiger Talk, War Eagle, everybody, we'll talk next week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. 
clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.